Thank you so much. You, you just kind of put a lot of pressure on me now. <laughs> I love Matt. I love uh, Pastor Roland and just the team here. God's doing some amazing things. I mean, how many of you love worship? Come on now. Come on now. You were created to worship God, so you, you ought to get used to the worshiping God. If you have a problem with worship, let me tell you what. Talk to the leadership. They'll help you with that. Because worship is, our life is not about ourselves. It's about Jesus. Well, I'm talking today is about a healthy soul of forgiveness. I believe that you can go from being broken to a place of being blessed. See, and a hopeful healing for your soul. Um, You know, a lot of times coming out of this pandemic, as we emerge, you know, uh, wherever you are in this pandemic, we, we cannot ignore the relational challenges that people face and, and the baggage that we have we've maybe accumulated in this, this uh, pandemic and as we, we continue to carry. Well, we all experience conflicts in our relationships because we live in a broken world. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Well, often we simply want to press on and move on without addressing the brokenness in our soul. But today, we will consider the issues of the soul and how Scripture teaches that we can move from a place of brokenness to blessing and experience hope and healing in, li- in our lives and relationships. You see, all of us are broken in some shape or form. If, if I had a table here and, and there was a, maybe a, some, some wine glasses, if I knock it all over, it will all crack and break in all different places. You see, your brokenness might not be my brokenness, but together we can find Christ who can fix us in our brokenness. And if you're here today for the first time, someone invited you, let me tell you what, you're in the right place. Because Jesus wants to heal us, and Jesus wants to set us free so we can fulfill his purpose for your life. Can I hear an amen, somebody? That's the God we serve here. So forgiveness is essential, an essential element to a healthy soul For relational health. Unforgiveness pollutes our soul. In order to forgive others who have offended us, we must first receive forgiveness from God. And when we do that, let me tell you what, you can begin to forgive other people. You know, my first point here is God created us to love him and one another in a fallen world where we hurt one another. You know, I'm talking to a crowd that you either been hurt or you hurt someone else. But it makes forgiveness necessary. Uh, you got to start off with the great commandment. You know, every day I wake up in my life, I try to align myself with the great commandment and the great commission. And the great commandment is that Jesus answered, the most important is here, O Israel. The Lord our God is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is like this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. You see, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You can only love him because you're responding to his love to you. See, the Bible says we love because he first loved us. See, you didn't find God. God found you. So sometimes we think, well, I found God, and you know, like God is lost. God is not lost. You and I are lost. So he came looking for us. He pursued you when you wasn't even looking for him. That's how great our God is. But when we understand that he wants us to love him. You know, every day I wake up, I receive his love so I can love him and love others. 
You know, I was talking to a guy one day. He said, you know, coach, I've been in and out, you know. I've been walking with God. Then, you know, I just kind of get wandered off. And, and, and he's telling me, what, what is the difference, you know? I said, yeah, you know God is your Savior. But you got to come to know God as your Lord. When you come to a place of surrender. You, were, you know where, where your life begins? Let me tell you where your life begins. You walk with God, and yeah, we, we receive God as Savior. He loves us. Your life really begins and takes a whole new level when you surrender to his Lordship. You see, he's not just uh, my, my Savior. Thank God he saved me. But he's my Lord to lead me. And some of you, you're looking for the leading of God. Well, you're not going to find the leading of God until you come to understand the Lordship of God. Can I hear an amen, somebody? The Spirit of God is here today. See, we have to love Him supremely. A lot of times we come to God, we think, oh, we look at God as like an additive. We'll add Him to my life because I want to become better. And you, 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 we all come like that sometimes. And God, I'm an additive. He's an additive. Let me, let me tell you what. God don't want to be an additive to your life. He wants to be Lord of all. He wants you to come to a place where, oh God, it's not so much just about, Lord, what can I get from you? But Lord, what can I give for you? How can I serve you? And when you come to that place, wherever you are, no matter what age you are, you'll come to a whole new level in serving him. You see, it's about living a Christ-centered life. A lot of times we're built, the way we are built is to live a self-centered life. Well, self is at the middle. But see, you're never going to get to the place God wants you to go to until you understand that Christ has to be the center. And when you allow him to be at the center of your life, then it's no longer my will, but it's your will be done. You see, Jesus at the, 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 the Garden of Gethsemane, and you think, wow, he, you know, he was the son of God, and he had to surrender his will. Let me tell you what, every one of us will be there at many times in our life where you have to surrender your will. Not my will, but your will be done. You see, because we want to serve God and love God with all our heart. And when we do that, we begin to love those around us. You see, you, you understand that God wants us to be a lover of him, but also lover of others. Uh, Peter came up and, and, and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times, Jesus said to him, I did not say to you seven times, but 77 times. I can just imagine uh, right now the disciples are all calculating in their mind. How many times is that? <laughs> but you see... I imagine Peter was saying, hey, he understood that according to the law, three times, you know, and then after three times, you can actually revenge in the Jewish culture. But you see, he, he thought it was cool. He said seven times, and a couple more times. He was trying to look good, and he figured Jesus was going to pat him on his back. But Jesus said that, no. He said, you forgive unlimited. It's not about a number. It's not about mathematician. It's about a heart issue. He said, you forgive and you love. And he says, not seven times above that. Now, you know, it's an unlimited number. Now, you might be here today and say, oh, Pastor Coach, you don't know my condition. You don't know my situation. You don't know what they did to me. God knows. God knows. And he's given you an ability to grow in your faith and to grow in your walk with God. And sometimes you're not going to move to the next level until you understand the heart of forgiveness. Heart of forgiveness. Now, I stand here. I'm not saying that I got it all together. Uh, most of you might know my story. Uh, seven years ago, I went through an ugly divorce. My wife left me. 
I've forgiven her. I've forgiven her over and over again. But let me tell you what, there was a time when I was having a difficulty. And you might be right there right now. But when you forgive, it's not so much <laughs> for her, which I know it is, but it's for you. See, when you're unforgiving, it's like you're drinking the poison and you're expecting the other person to die. Understanding that God wants us to be a forgiving people. So you look at what Jesus did and he told the disciples. He says, at this point, basically is that forgiveness is not a matter of mathematician or math- mathematics. It's a spirit. It's a heart to forgive. See, my first point, choose to forgive. My second point, choose to forgive immediately and unconditionally. And what happened? Jesus tells a story. And he says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Okay, most uh, commentators said that would be like anywhere from 12 million to 1 billion. That's a lot of money in, in modern times. Since he could not pay his master, he ordered him to be sold with his wife and children, and all that he had, and, pay, and, and, and payment to be made. Now, so the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity, in another version it says, compassion for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. Now, verse 28, but when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. hundred denarii is like about uh, uh, roughly equal to a hundred days of wages. It's not as much as the first one, but, but the guy owned him. Now, and seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. His fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me. And I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what he had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to the master all that, he had take, all that had taken place. Now look what happens. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy? And you, on your fellow servant. And I had mercy on you. And in anger, his master delivered him into the jailers and until he should pay all his debt. So also, my heavenly father will do, everyone, do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from the heart. So you find here, there was a debt that was owed. And, and, and they pleaded with, with the master. And the master forgave him. But he turned around, the servant, and he didn't forgive one of the people that owe him money. And so he was cast into a jail and he put there. And see, understanding, uh, you, you know, they said uh, they were looking for patience. But really, uh, they really weren't able to pay that, that, that debt. See, the, the man who owed the smaller debt was, used the exact same plea and promise that brought mercy to the man who had the greater debt. But it gained nothing. And forgiving, the forgiving servant put the man into the debtor's prison. You see, put him into prison. You see, sometimes they say that in, in a Barna study that one out of four Christians struggle 
with forgiveness. You see, the reality is from their mind, they may know the truth. But in reality, it's not practiced. And God wants us to go from what we think in our mind to how we live in application. And the practice of that. I'll, I'll give you an example. If, if I was, uh, if, I, if, I came, if, I, if, if you were staying with me in Hawaii, how many want to stay with me in Hawaii? Yeah? A lot of people like to go to Hawaii. Yeah? So, you know, Art here, Art, maybe you came to my house and you were hanging out with me. And Art was just kind of, you know, he was just waiting around because I was out doing something. And, and, and Art texted me and said, hey, hey, Pastor Coach, you know, I noticed on your table there were some bills. But I, I, I decided to pay one of your bills. I would say, well, Art, that, that, that's really nice of you. You know, it's all depending which bill you're paying, you know. And then it might be one of those subscriptions, you know, magazines. And, you know, so I'm thinking like, wow, he's such a nice guy. He's a cool guy. But then I find out that he didn't just pay my subscription bill. He paid my back taxes. Now, this is just a story, okay. Back taxes that I wasn't able to pay on my own. See, like it was beyond like 500000 Now, he paid that. Let me tell you what, in my mind, I was thinking he paid a real small bill of mine. So I would treat him a certain way. But when I realized he paid what I could not pay, I would drive home. I, in my meeting, drive home, hug this guy and say, man, man, just so grateful, so thankful. But a lot of us, we treat Jesus the same way. We treat Jesus like he paid just a little bill for me. So we don't love him. We don't really go after him. We're not worshiping him. Because we don't understand when he paid the price on the cross, he paid all our debts. He paid it for all that. And when you understand that, let me tell you what, you have such a gratitude, a heart of gratitude. You want to worship him. You want to run after him. Why? Because he did for me what I could never do for myself. So you have to have that fresh revelation of that. See, some of us, we just kind of go through the motion and we think like, hey, you know, we're doing God a favor by going to church. Let me tell you what, it's audience of one. It's about honoring and glorifying God. Can I hear an amen, somebody? You see, as you forgive, you got to move to the next one. Forgive just as we have been forgiven through Christ. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as in Christ, God forgave you. You see, when you understand forgiveness is not based on your capacity to forgive. It's based on what he has done for us. See, you might say, I, you don't know what happened to me. I can't forgive that person. And you might be right. You can't do it on your own strength. But when you have a revelation of how much God forgave you, then you can forgive anybody. Just for a moment, close your eyes. I want you to think of the worst sin you committed in your life. The worst sin. I want you to see it. Jesus dying on the cross for that sin. Your worst sin. But some of us, we live here. You can open your eyes. I don't want you to fall asleep, you know. <laughs> some of us are here. We, oh, yeah, God forgave me of this. God forgave me of that. But that thing, I don't know if God forgave me about that. And that thing hang over us wherever we go. And so what happened is because we haven't had a, a full understanding and revelation of how God forgave you of every one of your sins, even when you take, look at people, I'll forgive that person, I'll forgive that. But that person, man, no way, no way I'll forgive them. In fact, ah, yeah, you might say, oh, I forgive them, but you're still holding it against them. You haven't truly forgiven them. 
And God wants us to have a heart that would forgive people, but it's not based on what you have done. It's based on what Jesus has done. So when we have that tender heart, the new man seeks to save, to be kind to people, to be loving to people. Uh, how many of you know people who were really um, angry at the world? At the moment they came to Jesus Christ, there's a transformation that happened in their heart. They begin to be kinder, loving. You see, when you're receiving the love of God, you usually become more loving to people. When you've been forgiven of God, you become more forgiving of others. It's all based on that revelation of, of you and God. See, the story I just read about, in, 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 about the master and the servants, if we don't forgive others, God will not forgive us. The Bible says in Matthew 6, verse 14, for if you forgive others, other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. So when you understand the most important thing is forgiving. If you don't forgive, then you won't be forgiven. And, and you know, we go through difficulties in life, and, and sometimes we live in a broken world, and things happen to us. But we must choose to forgive. Why? It's not just for the other person. It's for you, so you can fulfill your purpose in God. See, forgiveness enables, then enables reconciliation and trust to be earned when the, when the, when the person repents. See, I'm not going to just forgive the person and wait. You know, some of you think, well, I'm going to forgive them when they repent. See, God didn't wait till you repent and he forgave you. So it's not about waiting for they repent. You just choose to forgive. But when you forgive them, you give them the opportunity to repent and even to come to reconciliation. Now, forgiveness and reconciliation, that's two different things. See, in, you know, in Hawaii, just to tell you, but I'm from Hawaii, a lot of times we think, well, if I forgave that person, then we got to be best buddies again. That's not necessarily true. You can forgive that person, but you don't necessarily have to be reconciled to that person until trust is earned. It's a process of that. So, you know, I was, um, one of the families I work with, uh, in, in, we, have a, we have a microsite we're building out in Nanakuli. A group of people is on the west side of Oahu. Um, this family, well, this couple, you can see this picture, Sierra Kukonu and her stepmom, Tiffany Kaleohi. You got that picture up there? And uh, what happened is Sierra is one of our leaders, and, 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 and when Sierra got saved, the first thing she did, she invited her stepmom. Now, you got to understand a little bit of the backstory of the stepmom. The stepmom pretty much abused her. Pretty much made her life difficult. She was so broken because she would get spanking and she would get beatings from this stepmom. And so there was a lot of hate in in the heart um, for for the stepmom. But when she came to Christ, how many of you know when she received Jesus' love for her life, the first person she thought, because her husband was already saved, the first person she thought about bringing to church was her stepmom. And then, you know, the beautiful thing about it, they came into a small group first. That's why I love the fact about life groups. How many of you are part of a life group? Let me tell you, that's where life happens. 
You see, at the church here, you can come and enjoy the service and praise God, you know, for the worship. And, but this is only part of the Christian walk with God. There's the discipleship aspect. And when you get into small group discipleship, something happens inside of you. Something happens. But see, this, this, this mother and stepmother and, and stepdaughter, now they become best of friends. You see, there's reconciliation. Why? Trust was earned. And then now they work together on the same leadership team of the church that we're going to plant eventually. Now, how in the world that happens? Because Sierra got a revelation of, her, of God forgiving her of all her sins. And when she realized that, she can forgive the worst person at the time in her life, thinking that she, this person just treated her mean and abused her. But because she forgave Tiffany, Tiffany came to the place of full surrender to Jesus. You see, when you forgive someone, you actually give them an opportunity to be reconciled, not just to you, but to be reconciled to God. And that's a beautiful thing about this. See, unforgiveness imprisons us. Forgiveness frees us and demonstrates the power of the gospel. The Bible tells me in Hebrews 4, verse 15 and 16, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. You know the, the, the awesome thing about this? Jesus identifies with our brokenness. And when he identifies with our brokenness, then he gives us, he paves the way for us to come to the throne of grace. To ask for help in time of need. You know that when we begin to identify with people who are far from God, who are broken, maybe have done you wrong, and we identify with their pain, what happens is you begin to create a pathway for them to come to the throne of grace. That's why we have to forgive people. Because when you forgive them, you pave a path for them to come to the throne of God. See, all of us here, we, we, you may know Jesus, and maybe some of you just kind of come into this thing. But let me tell you what, this walk with God is very important. You understand that we have to forgive others to give them an opportunity to come to Christ. I have a video clip I want to show you. This is of Shelby um, Houston, and uh, it's a story of forgiveness toward her dad's killer. The dad was, in, uh, was a police officer. All right, I like that. Okay. I feel like I'm going to take off somewhere. <laughs> but what happened is, thank you, thank you. Thank you. No, you can keep going. I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> what happened is, um, it is the same Christian faith evident in Houston's 18-year-old daughter, Shelby, who spoke during her father's funeral on December 9th of, of 2020, 2021. At the Lake Point Church in Rockwell, Texas. But many were shocked when the 18-year-old expressed love and forgiveness rather than hate towards her father's killer. Take a look at this clip. I remember having conversations with my dad about him losing friends and officers in the line of duty. 
I have heard all the stories you can think of, but I've always had such a hard time with how the suspect is dealt with. Not that I didn't think there should be justice served, but my heart always ached for those who don't know Jesus. Their actions being a reflection of that. I was always told that I would feel differently if it happened to me. But as it's happened to my own father, I think I still feel the same. There has been anger, sadness, grief, and confusion. And part of me wishes I could despise the man who did this to my father. But I can't get any, of, any part of my heart to hate him. All that I can find is myself hoping and praying for this man to truly know Jesus. I thought this might change if the man continued to live. But when I heard the news that he was in stable condition, part of me was relieved. My prayer is that someday down the road, I'd get to spend some time with the man who shot my father. Not to scream at him, not to yell at him, not to scold him, simply to tell him about Jesus. You see the power of forgiveness. 18 year old, understanding the power of forgiveness. You see, because she willing to forgive, it paves a path for her one day to sit before that guy and, and share the gospel with him. You know, I, I don't know if we have the picture I took with Matt and Jerrica yesterday. I, I sent it to you guys. But, you know, um, when I was sitting down with them, Matt and Jerrica, uh, you know, Bolosan with their two beautiful daughters. I guess we don't have it. <laughs> I look at Matt. And I look at Jericho, and I see the miracle power of God's grace. You see, because I was with him when we had to share with him what happened with his dad. And I saw the pain. I saw the brokenness. When I look at him, I realize I see a miracle. God healed him, restored him. Why? Because at the point of that, he said he knew he could never hate his father, but he knew he'd have a hard time to forgive but I said, Matt, you just choose. Everyone said, choose. It's a choice. Oh, coach, I'm not feeling it. It doesn't matter what you feel. You choose to do it because the Bible says to do it. And how many of you know when you choose to do it, after a while, feelings will come. But some of us, we're waiting for the feeling. If you're going to wait for that feelings, it's going to wait forever. God said, choose to forgive. And I believe by the grace and the mercy of God, Matt and Jericho are still doing what they're doing today because they made a choice. What about you today? Who do you need to choose to forgive? 